From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today, we're going to get an overview of kidney stones from Dr. Stephen Knoll, a professor of medicine at Upstate who specializes in internal medicine and nephrology. He's with me in the HealthLink on Air studio. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Now, what are the first signs of kidney stones? Well, kidney stones uh, can be silent, so you may not have any symptoms at all. But if you're going to have symptoms, generally you're going to probably have pain, usually in the what we call costovertebral angle, so the area of the back just to the left or right of, say, that thoracic spine. And it may move down the back. It may actually turn towards the belly, and it actually can uh, ra uh, radiate towards the groin. You may see some blood when you urinate. Uh, you may feel a, a discomfort when urinating. Those are generally the kinds of signs. Um, you may find sometimes that you'll be nauseated. You may vomit. You may have generalized discomfort in your belly area. So, but it could be silent. So, absolutely silent. I didn't realize you could have a kidney stone and not realize it. You could have one and pass one and not. Know. I have some patients who have literally hundreds of kidney stones uh, within each of their kidneys and rarely have symptoms. Wow. Now, what's let's talk about the epidemiology sure. of a kidney stone. What what is it? Well, uh, if you think of urine as water with stuff in it, and that stuff is generally the stuff that the body is trying to rid itself of, the poisons that we all make, but also just generally the things that we may be eating or drinking or producing that we need to get rid of to just keep things in balance. Waste products. It can be waste products, and it is, but there can be other things too, like mm -hmm. we eat... We eat salt and we eat potassium and calcium and our bodies may get rid of some calcium from their bones and the body has a job to try to maintain balance and the kidneys help to do that. Uh, and so that stuff sometimes in some patients can actually become solid rather than staying in liquid form. And when that happens is when you run the risk of making a kidney stone. So does do kidney stones affect men and women equally? No. Um, if, you, if you look, generally speaking, men outnumber women um, in terms of those that make kidney stones, although over the last 20 years that difference is shrinking. Um, why that's the case, it's not entirely clear. It may be related to the obesity epidemic, and it's not to say that uh, males aren't as obese as female. It's not about that. It's about if you think about risk of having a kidney stone and men had a higher risk, and now you suddenly add another risk factor, that risk factor may not be that substantial if you already have a high risk to begin with. Okay. Um, and that's one of the theories as to why we're seeing more women now develop uh, uh, kidney stones than they were in the past, but still men outnumber women. And is it an adult issue, or do you ever see children with kidney you stones? You do. You see uh, children, and uh, generally speaking, if you see a, a child with a kidney stone, more often than not, it will portend a diagnosis of something that may be a larger disease, meaning it's not just a kidney stone. Maybe they were born with some type of disorder that's not only affecting the kidneys, but other parts of the body. 
and it generally demands a very good evaluation by uh, a pediatric nephrologist. But speaking to diabetes and obesity, we're seeing that they are on the rise in the pediatric population. And so stones now are also becoming more common in the pediatric population, independent of those other types of diseases. All right. Well, when should people seek care? If they've got a a kidney stone or they're having the pain that might lead you to believe it's a kidney stone, um, at what point do they go to the hospital? At what point do they call their their doctor? You know, it's always, I always find that, I think it's easy to say, well, clearly, if uh, you're having the the worst pain you've ever had, you you shouldn't wait on it. You need to seek medical attention. And it's probably not something you should say, I'm going to call my doc and they'll get me in in the next few days. If this is extreme pain, which kidney stones can be, if you've talked, if you talk to women who have suffered from stone pain, most, if not all, will say, I would prefer going through labor, assuming they've had a child, than suffer from the pain of a kidney stone. So that's the kind of pain we may be dealing with. You have well, that kind of pain, you need to seek immediate attention. Um, if you see blood in your urine, I would hope that that would be an alarm to anybody to say, I need to seek medical attention. Um, you know, burning when you urinate is not necessarily uncommon, especially in women. It may be a sign of just a urinary infection, but I would say, but that's still something that deserves a call to your doc. Now, you're a nephrologist, yes, a kidney specialist, but yeah. urologists yeah. also deal with kidney stones, right? Yes. So how do you pick as a patient? How do you pick? What's the difference between the two? Well, a urologist is by training a surgeon. Um, a nephrologist by training is an internist. So, okay. um, yep, we both deal with the same type of diseases, it's, but it's, it's the manner in which we try to deal with them. And uh, I, I generally try to describe to a patient when they're asking, I say, is, well, if you're thinking about a kidney stone, if you were to develop a plumbing problem, you get a blockage, uh, you get that pain where you need immediate attention, you need to see the plumber. And I I try to describe it. Think of the urologist as a really, really intelligent plumber who's going to help to fix that problem. Now, they may also be also um, somewhat like me, and I try to describe myself as more like the chemist, sort of the, well, why did it happen to begin with? Urologists certainly can do that, but that may not be the focus of their training because they are surgeons. it's the focus of my particular training is to try to understand the chemistry. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with nephrologist Stephen Knoll about kidney stones. Are there any home remedies that work for people? Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, I've met a lot of patients who will swear by, quote-unquote, home remedies, Scientifically speaking, we don't have any evidence of any home remedies working outside of, for example, using lemon. Uh, Lemon does appear to provide some benefit for most types of stones because lemon contains something called citric acid, which uh, can be converted to what's called citrate. Citrate is an important inhibitor, something that helps to prevent most kidney stones from forming. So Certainly one of the cornerstones of therapy is to give citrate as a medication, but you can also get it through dietary. 
Um, but but you can't just you can't just drink tons of water to flush it through. Well, that, see, I don't really. I apologize. I didn't. I don't really consider that a home remedy like a concoction. But absolutely, the cornerstone of anything when you talk about chemistry, right? We're talking about you know. Is it, is it existing in a gas, a liquid, or a solid? We want it to exist in a liquid form. Well, if you've got stuff that's sort of making solid, well, then you need more liquid to try to dissolve it back into the solution. So the cornerstone of therapy for anybody with kidney stones is more fluid. It's Well, what kind of fluid? Water's always a great a choice. A good choice. Yeah, okay. Generally, the, the, the liquids you'd perhaps want to consider avoiding, trying to keep it simple, would be things that contain fructose, Fructose can be converted to things that can increase your risk for making a stone mm. if you're at risk for making stones. And then dark colas. Dark colas, uh, generally, they have what's called phosphoric acid, which itself can be a risk. But the light, you know, the, the light colas, the 7-ups, the Sprites, uh, water, coffee, tea, really it's very little evidence that those are problematic. Uh, really, it's only the two that I named. Now, how long does it take for a stone to pass once it's identified and you know someone has it? Yeah, passing of stone really isn't, um, that's a hard question to answer because a lot of that depends on where it is and how big it is. So, um, you know, common sense would tell you if it's a smaller stone, then it's probably going to be easier to pass than a larger stone. And if it's um, in a, particular location where gravity can help to move it out then it may be more apt to move out so uh, size and location are really the important things to understand in terms of deciding what's the likelihood and that's where a urologist can help you i read recently about the broncos head coach was coaching while he was passing a stone oh yeah you hear you hear some some people will manifest their symptoms in ways where it may not be that every stone is like labor, mm, right? Okay. Because remember, I said stones could also be silent. Some people are like, yeah, I just got, a, I got an ache. Some people who have kidney stones and have had them for a long time, they are so used to it as well that it may not be as severe. So that's always why it's so difficult to say, yes, this is clearly a kidney stone. It's only when it's like what I described, blood in the urine, pain when urinating, and that excruciating pain in your flank area that a stone is very likely. So when you uh, meet a new patient with suspected kidney stones, what, what, what do you go about, how do you go about diagnosing and, and treating them? So most of the time it'll be my urology colleagues, um, either here or throughout the region, who will uh, ask that I see a patient of theirs because they've had kidney stones I will, of course, do my own history uh, and learn as much as I can about the patient, but that will also include an extensive dietary history. I want to try to understand what it is they're eating and whether that may be increasing their risk, understand what they're drinking and whether that may be um, relating to their risk. Um, and we also do a um, what's called 24-hour urine collection. So we literally collect urine. We ask the patient to do this. The for, for the first visit, we ask them to do it on successive days, preferably on a working day and a non-working day because our diets are different. Mm -hmm. Sure. We, right? Um, and we will then look together at those uh, what we call urine chemistries and then be able to see if we can identify patterns that may identify diseases that we will then investigate for further. 
but also, okay, I see what your risks are. And while we're investigating these other possible diseases, here's what we can at least do to try to mitigate risk. Okay. What's a metabolic evaluation? That would be a metabolic evaluation. When you do those 24-hour urine collections, and then by looking at the results of those collections, deciding, for example, if I identify a patient who may have a lot of calcium in their urine, which is a very common metabolic abnormality uh, for those that have kidney stones, then I'm gonna, that's going to trigger me to say, okay, I need to do a bit more now. That may include some additional blood work to identify a possible explanation for why there's more calcium in your urine. Okay. And that's all what we call the metabolic evaluation. So someone who has high calcium in their urine, high levels of calcium yeah. in their urine, would be at an increased risk for kidney stones. Correct. Perhaps. Are there other um, factors that would put a person more prone to develop kidney stones? So if you look at risk factors, uh, risk factors would be um, probably to sort of tie it up, risk factors for any type of vascular disease high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, known heart disease. Vascular disease itself seems to be associated with a higher risk. It doesn't mean that that's the cause, oh, but okay. there's clearly a relationship. And we definitely see heavier patients, diabetic patients, patients with high blood pressure. We see those patients at having higher risk, and there are patterns, metabolic patterns, that you can see in the urine in those types of patients. And then what about dehydration? It, that's something that happens more acutely, right? Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great question. It's, it really speaks to a person's underlying risk. You and I could both be out in the desert, right, and thirsty, dehydrated, and entirely same access to the water, identical diet, I may make a stone and you may not make a stone. How come? And that speaks to that underlying risk. Uh, so being dehydrated doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. Wow. So that's why when we talk about treatment, I'll see patients who we say, you know, you, you need to drink generally enough liquid to make about three liters, so about three quarters of a gallon of urine a day. And they may come to me and they may say, I'm doing that and I'm still making stone. And I'll say, I believe that you're doing that, but you're clearly not drinking enough for you. You're definitely drinking enough for someone like me. I'm not making kidney stones. I may not need that much urine, but you need more. And the other thing I tell them is that the kidneys aren't necessarily forgiving. They don't care what you do for six days out of the seven days. If that seventh day you are dehydrated, that's you went to the New York State Fair and you had a high salt, right, a, the kind of diet that would increase your risk, and you were out in the sun, you got dehydrated. That just may be the time where the urine is now at risk for starting to make those crystals. So it sounds like it's very individualized. It is. What it is. Well, thank you. My guest has been Dr. Stephen Knoll, a professor of medicine at Upstate who specializes in internal medicine and nephrology. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.